Okay, I guess I have to give a talk if I'm going to record. Um, hi, everybody. It's nice to see you all. I was gone last week, and I've been gone a bit. I've been in and out a little bit. I, last week I was teaching a retreat, which was really lovely. And uh, I actually just was sitting for three days with one of my teachers and got done tonight. So. Um, <clears throat> I thought I would talk a little about retreat practice in general. How many people here have, have done um, formal meditation retreats, overnight meditation retreats? Okay, how many people haven't ever done a formal overnight meditation retreat? Yeah, keep your hands up, it's good for me to see. Great, great. So, um, so a little bit I'm hoping to encourage people to do formal meditation retreat if that's possible. But it's also, you don't have to do it because you can practice right now formally. And formally doesn't mean sitting with your eyes closed. Formally means being aware right now of what's happening. And some people are really great actually at doing it in their lives so that it becomes quite a formal practice in their life without getting rid of their life or going away from their life, which when you go on a formal meditation retreat, you let go of your normal life for a while and you just go into a Spirit Rock or another community center where you let go of the usual involvements the usual responsibilities and the usual engagements and you just do one thing for three days, five days, a week, two weeks, a month, two months, three months or longer sometimes. One of my friends who's taught here many times, Kitty Sorrow, Kitty Sorrow loves to do year-long retreats by himself and he's good at it. He's done a few of those, and that's a long time to do a retreat, at least in my mind. You know, a few weeks, a month, a few months, that's, I'm, I'm happy with any of that. That's all good for me, personally. But it is quite something to take the time to study what's happening right here. And of course, I'm pointing at each of you because this is where the whole Dharma is, it's right here. Everything that's talked about, everything the Buddha pointed at, it's all sitting right here and it's discoverable right here in our experience. And we often don't think that way or even know that that's true or even if we've heard it, we don't believe it. And so I want to encourage, one of the reasons why I do like to encourage people to go on silent meditation retreats is that you're stuck. <laughs> if you go on a silent retreat, that's all that's happening there, is just the, the, um, The practice is what's happening, paying attention to what's happening now and then seeing what happens as we get more and more attuned to being here in the present moment. 
And so I'm going to bring in the present moment in a real way right now because I reattuned to something that often I kind of forget when I when we start doing the announcements and everything, which is when I say anything else from the community, of course we have community chanting, which Barbara leads, and I forgot to say it, so we're going to do it now. Actually, I wanted to do it before all the announcements. I think we should do it then, from, but let's do it right now. And she, she told you all to pick up uh, the chanting uh, page, so please, and, and I'm just going to say one word. So this is something that's done throughout Buddhism, which is raising our voices together to unite, to practice together. Please. This is called response. Namo tassa. Namo tassa. Bhagavato arihato. Bhagavato arihato. Samma sambuddhasa. Samma sambuddhasa. Omash to Buddha. Omash to Buddha. To the possibility of freedom. To the possibility of freedom. To the potential of full and perfect awakening. To the potential for full and perfect awakening. Namotasa. Namotasa. Sama Sambuddhasa. I take refuge in Buddha. I take refuge in Buddha. I take refuge in Dharma. I take refuge in Sangha. I take refuge in Sangha. Dutyampi Buddham Sanamgachami. Dutyampi Buddham Sanamgachami. Dutyampi Dhamam Saranam Gachami. Dutyampi Sangham Saranam Gachami. Dutyampi Sangham Saranam Gachami. Tadiyampi Dhamang Saranam Gachami. Tadiyampi Sangham Saranam Gachami. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. Um, so that that was good. That I like. I don't like forgetting, but I forget. And so, but what I like is what Dharma practice points at is about being real. And real doesn't mean perfect. Real, real means being human, and and waking up through the humanness to what the Buddha point at in terms of freedom and being, being awake and being aware. And um, 
And so I'm hoping to encourage you, if you're interested in doing silent retreat or a longer retreat, but I'm also just in hoping to encourage everybody to practice really all the time, because why not? You don't have to stop doing anything to practice. You want to practice wherever you are with whatever is happening, with whatever the reality is, even if you forget things that you're trying to do in public in a gracious way and you totally blow it. It's okay, it's very human that that happens. <clears throat> and so I thought I would talk a little bit about retreat practice and, and then some of the ways it weaves into everyday life practice. And when I was sat down and thought about this um, earlier this evening, I thought, first of all, it's very simple retreat practice. We're not really doing anything, right? If you, if you go on a retreat, the schedule, at least at Spirit Rock or in the retreats that I teach, are very simple. You get up, you go sit, you know, at 5.30 or 6 in the morning or something like that, and then you go have breakfast. And then you come back and you sit and you walk and you sit and you walk and you sit and you walk until lunch. And then you come back and you sit and you walk and you sit and you walk and you sit and you walk till dinner. And then you sit, maybe walk and sit, and then there's a, usually a Dharma talk. And then you come back and sit and walk and sit and walk and go to sleep. Doesn't that sound simple? Like nothing happening? except you're sitting and walking, and sitting and walking, and eating. And of course, there's a little bit of in-between, like going to the bathroom and showering and stuff like that. And all of that is practice. And that's all you're doing there, is being aware. And being aware of what's happening in body, heart, and mind, and what are you aware of? And it's radical in its simplicity. I looked up there was something about simplicity, um, a few things that I like. This is from Utejaniya, a Burmese teacher who's had a lot of influence about a lot, uh, among a lot of the spirit rock teachers uh, in the last few years, who I appreciate. I know uh, Sayadaw and a uh, good guy, an interesting guy. And he was, a, he was a householder for most of his life before he became a monk. But he was a householder who practiced so intensely that his teachers said, you, you need to teach. You need to teach. And he practiced, he was a successful, you know, he was a businessman, a householder, like a regular person. But he practiced very diligently in his life. And then he, and at a certain point, like in his 40s or something, he became a monk. And partly because that was the right thing at that time. He said, we need to learn to remain in an open and relaxed state. We need to learn to remain in an open and relaxed state of just noticing what is going on. We need to intentionally practice in a simple way. And so 
I hope when we come together, when we practice together in this group, and in general, that's being encouraged here, is simply being aware now. And of course now it's slightly more complex because I'm speaking and you're hearing me and you're listening and you're thinking about whatever I'm saying or you're having some response to what I'm saying and you want to be aware of all of that. And it, you don't have to get rid of any of it or deny any of it or like what I'm saying or not like what I'm saying. You want to be aware of what's true. And of course Dharma is, is one of the translations of the word dharma is the truth, right? And so we want to we keep practicing even while I'm giving the talk or in a little while I'll ask you if you want to say anything and you all can say something, we'll, we can have a dialogue and that all becomes part of practice. But keeping it simple, like feeling your body, right? Can everybody just feel their body? Anybody not feel their body, mm -hmm. right? So, so feeling it means you're, you're aware of it. And so, or anybody not aware of what they are thinking or their feelings or anything like that, right? And so you just want to, in a very relaxed way, stay open to what's here naturally what happens normally, which is thoughts and feelings and sensations and sights and sounds. Everybody aware when their eyes are open that they're seeing? And, and, and I want to be clear about it. What, that doesn't mean not just aware of what you're seeing, but that you're seeing. That seeing is happening. Because that's, at least in my humble opinion, that's a very magical thing that we see, right? And it's just like kind of wild that we see. And it's always why I think it's so interesting why the eyes are a sensitive place when we look in one another's eyes. That's something, because you, you see something about life in the eyes themselves. It's a little different than the nose. And I see that there's a nose and it's alive, but it doesn't have quite the same contact as the eyes do. And so, and that's why we're often, we're shy sometimes. We don't look in one another's eyes and, and it's not appropriate to look in somebody's eyes all the time or every moment or anything. But even once in a while, there's something there in the, in the aliveness, you know, of one-to-one. -one. <clears throat> and so, and so Utejaniya is saying we need to learn to remain in an open and relaxed state of just noticing, or in my language, being aware of what is going on. And so, and that's all we're doing when we're on retreat. That's all we're doing. We're just sitting, walking, eating, showering, talking a little. There's a few teacher meetings that happen every few days. And, and we're being aware of it all. And we're seeing what happens as we're aware of this human experience in a very simple and, of course, intimate way. We actually get intimate with ourselves which is usually the one person we don't want to be intimate with at all, is ourselves. We'd rather be intimate with somebody else or something else. But we, because of course, 
everything is sitting right here, meaning all of our hopes and dreams and all the goodness and also all the difficulty is sitting right here, all the heartache or unsatisfactoriness or unhappiness, it's all right here. And the paradox of practice is starting to get comfortable with the human experience, both good and not so good. What's pleasurable and also not so pleasurable. What we want and also what we don't want. Getting a little more comfortable with it so that we're not just identified with either one. We're not just identified with what we like and what we want and when it's good, and we're not so identified with what we don't like and what we don't want and what it doesn't feel so good. But we start to be aware of it all as part of the normal human <coughs> experience. And then see what happens, what kind of possibilities arise as we rest more and more in the awareness itself. And so, as I was saying, it's really not, it's simple what we do on intensive practice. It's very simple. And what's surprising about it is that it's all dharma. It's all the Dharma. If you seek, like in that chant we just did, we take refuge in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, right? We're taking uh, refuge in awakeness, which is, you know, the Buddha is a mythological <coughs> image of awakeness, right? And the Dharma is the truth of the way things are that the Buddha pointed at. And we start to take refuge in the awakeness and the truth of the way things are, not just the way we want them to be, but the truth of the way things are. And then, of course, the Sangha is the other people here, the community of people who are also seeking to wake up. It's the human community because there is either a conscious or, in my opinion, unconscious desire for all human beings to wake up, to be free. And the people may use different words, but that's really what everybody's looking for, is some kind of freedom or happiness. That's what the Dalai Lama would say. He said, oh yeah, all human beings just want to be happy. And that's a normal thing for human beings. And then we go then we go our way trying to find what really, what makes real happiness or true happiness. And that's a surprise sometimes because it's not just getting everything we want, right? There's a deeper level of possibility for what brings true happiness and the Buddha and the Dharma are part of that. And so Utejaniya says, he says, take an interest in whatever happens. Take an interest in whatever happens, whether it's good or bad. Every experience is a dharma, just the way it is. Every experience is the dharma. And so on retreat, you don't have a lot of choice. I mean, you do, you, could, you can just 
try to get away from whatever's happening or forget about what's happening or think about what you're going to do when the retreat's over for 10 days. You could think about that for 10 days, but I tell you, after a day or two of thinking about it, it gets a little boring to think about it, at least whatever I've thought. And I've thought many things on retreats, and and you see, oh, they're just thinking. They're not, there's not, not much there. It's just thought. And thought isn't all it's cranked up to be. It's just a thought. And even feelings, and feelings are really strong, and I have a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions, and they're good and, you know, interesting, and, but at some point it's like, they're just emotions. They're not necessarily everything that's here. The question starts to rise on the long retreat about, oh, what, what is thinking? Or what is having the emotion, right? And so you start to see the interplay of experience that is called being a human being. And that interplay of experience that we call being a human being is sitting in each seat here already. And one of the things that happens as we see that there's and we're on retreat, and it's very simple, and it's easy to be consistent because, as I'm saying, there's nothing else to do, really. And the consistency brings a kind of unification of body, heart, and mind, and that is good. And one knows it because it's, it's much better than, oh, I'm thinking about this or figuring out that or trying to get rid of this or trying to do that. It's like you stop doing anything and you just get here. And there's a certain kind of freedom in just being here now. And it's, I, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe that's even harder than ever to do because of how complex our world is. Now, and I don't mean just complex politically, which I know it's complex politically, but I mean electronically complex, right? It's like, you know, how many, right? And anybody here have a phone with them right now? <laughs> right? I mean, the, that has changed our world, right? Because now everything is right in your pocket. Right? Your emails, your calls, your, or, or what's going on in the world almost everywhere can be known almost immediately. That's a lot of information to take in. And it's not necessarily relaxing to have all that information all the time. You know, it's nice to be tuned in, and it's nice just to be here in a more simple way that we learn in meditative practice, because, you know, we do a ritual now. We have a big bell, much bigger than this. But we do something with the bell at the beginning of the retreats now. And we put the bell up and we invite people who would really like us to hold their phones, to put their phones in the bell. And then we have a big safe now at Spirit Rock where we put all the phones in this big safe with like foot, foot um, depth you know, walls of steel so nobody can steal your phone when you're at Spirit Rock. <laughs> And we put it in and we lock it, and even you can't get to it. And 
and it's hard. <coughs> it's hard for people to give up their phones. And of course, in some ways, when you do meditation practice, at a certain point, we're asking you to give up everything. And that's radical enough, but not my phone, please. <laughs> you know, meaning, meaning a little, meaning we're asking what happens when you give up your identity and just see what's actually here that's not your familiar historical identity, what's not based on causes and conditions, what's here that's free of causes and conditions because that's what the Buddha was pointing at. <clears throat> and so retreat is a lot about learning to be present and simple and not complex and awake moment by moment by moment in this very intimate way. And, and reality gets, in Eugene's words, wild in that simplicity. It's paradoxical, meaning the, the ordinariness of everything starts to reveal the non-ordinariness of everything. Or I, I could say it, the ordinariness reveals the extraordinary, because it's all right here. And, you know, we don't usually say it, but I mean, Buddhism is partly a, a mystical practice, right? It's pointing at the nature of reality, the nature of the truth, of the nature of what we are. And the discovery of that is magical to some degree. And so the mystical is discovering something beyond our usual ideas of what reality is. And, but it's, what's beautiful is it's right in reality. It's not somewhere else. It's not, you don't have to, you, you don't have to, you know, walk for a hundred miles in the desert to discover this. You can just sit down with the, ordinary human experience and it will it will can reveal the extraordinariness of what's sitting in each seat right here in, in my understanding in my view it's already here and even that we're conscious it's it's such a sin we could just point at consciousness anybody not conscious right now just tell me if you're not conscious you're not conscious how do you know you're not conscious you don't know you're, you can't raise your hand to that question if you're if you're conscious if you're conscious if if you're not conscious you wouldn't know but there's right except for this one person everybody here is conscious okay what is that what is consciousness like just turn and look at your own consciousness for a moment because that's the the lens we see through all the time and we never look at that and that's a little bit what I mean there's something magical here or mysterious or or mystical I, I threw in that word not a great word for me to use we could just say magical that's good enough you know it's already here 
like that we're living beings who know that we're living beings, right? And I don't know, I can't, I don't know about other living beings, except they're also alive, that I've got. And, and, and I think I've said this, my wife got a dog recently, which I didn't want, but she wanted it. So she got a dog, it's her dog, she's taking care of it, I'm happy. But it's very, but I, and I like dogs, so ha I have a lot of fun with the dog, as long as I don't have to take care of it. And, um, but really what's very cool is, it's so wild to have another consciousness in the house. Like, it's a living being with its own consciousness, a little different than human consciousness. It's not exactly the same. You know, and I don't know if he knows he's a living consciousness, right? Maybe he does. He, he knows he's alive and wants food and things like that. And that's clear. And he, he loves to play and I'm happy to throw the ball for him. And, but, but it's just, I find it so something pleasurable just to be around another living consciousness because it's all kind of wild in my heart and mind. It's all kind of magical. And of course, we are a very sophisticated living consciousness human beings, it seems. I mean, and I don't mean to denigrate any of the other animal species, because I think they're pretty amazing too, really. And yeah, now I, now I could totally go sidetracked because <laughs> uh, we, we just watched something, it was on PBS that we taped like, I don't know, six months ago or so, about animals in the cold in, in Antarctica and amazing how they survive, the, the intelligence it takes to survive in 50 degrees below weather and stuff like that. I'm not, I'm not good at 50 degrees below <laughs> myself, but, but just to watch even how their bodies have an intelligence for how to retain heat or grow certain kind of hair that, um, that creates insulation from the outer layer of hair, which is different hair in between, right? They have hair that's, that's like um, skin hair more that, that stops things and then they have their insulation between the skin hair and, the, and their actual skin, right? And so it keeps them warm and it's just, it's all kind of magical life. And we are part of that magic is a little bit what I'm pointing at and that we, I believe, is very helpful for us to see directly to know experientially. And that is also one of the keys to retreat practice, is it's a very, it's so simple and it's all experiential. It's not conceptual practice. We're not thinking about meditating. We're not thinking about how do we figure this out. We're simply being with the direct experience very intimately, knowing it experientially, whether it's a breath or a sensation or a sound or a thought or a feeling. We're aware of that. Even the thoughts, I mean, they're not just 
Sometimes they're words, sometimes they're images, sometimes there's a felt sense in the heart-mind that we call thought. And you, if you look carefully, you see none of them are so separate. It's all here, and we can be aware of it. Perfect. You know, this is this Dharma practice. <laughs> so the part of what happens with being aware of the way things are is the awareness gets more open to just whatever is true in the moment. And there's also something else that happens because we start to be open to everything. Again, like I said, what we like and what we don't like. And we start to see the only way to actually do it, meaning to survive it in a skillful way, is to be kind and to be kind to ourselves. And that's one of the beauties of Buddhism. It's all about awareness and kindness, mindfulness and kindness, or what's sometimes called wisdom and compassion, right? Like that's what the training, that's what the teaching is pointing at. That's why even, especially if you go on retreat, you see this, but if you do it in your daily life, you'll notice you're going to be aware of a lot of things that happen that you don't like, that you don't want, that don't make you feel good. And so, and, and you won't do it perfectly. And so the kindness becomes so important for us as human beings, for ourselves and for one another together. Because because when one of the things about seeing our own suffering is we can start to recognize the suffering of other people because that's one of the universals of being uh, human is that we have difficulty, we have pain, we have heartache, we have all kinds of dukkha. For if you don't know dukkha, it means suffering. It's a simple term. <clears throat> and, and then there's freedom <laughs> that just happens we didn't do anything it just happened and that's how reality is that was really uh, of course paradoxically that's a perfect example of dukkha and the end of dukkha it's not that we fix anything. Things happen, and then things let go. Things relax. <clears throat> so I'll just end my little talk about practice. I'll say a teeny bit more about 24-hour practice because it's no different than what we did in the meditation, 24-hour practice. 
It's just being aware, being present, what's here, what's actually happening now. You could just go through your day and, and, and be curious what's happening now. What are you aware of now? And what's your response or relationship to whatever is happening now? What's your reaction to what's happening now? And can you be kind no matter what's happening now? Can you be kind, first of all, to yourself? First of all, to yourself. Even if you, even if you don't like what's happening, even if you get pissed about what's happening, even if you're furious about what's happening, can you be kind to yourself rather than add any judgment like you should be some way or not be some way? But just to be aware, first of all, and to be kind, and then see what happens as you start to wake up with the space of awareness and the knowing, moment by moment by moment. One of the reasons teaching especially the long retreats is so um, moving is because you see people land in themselves in a very real way and they're not the same each person has their uniqueness and that's one of the beauties of human beings is that we're the same and we're different I think, I think it was Stephen Batchelor once wrote a book called Alone with Others. And I, I like that title because it points at the truth of our difference and sameness rather than the sameness blotting out our difference. Because the difference, they're both true. Here, I'll, and I'll read you a last quote from Sayadaw Utejaniya. He said, He's talking about insights can arise. Insights can arise under very ordinary circumstances. And he's talking a little about, you know, living at home even. He says, for example, while smelling the soap in the shower, you suddenly and very, de and very deeply understood that there is this smelling and knowing. Right? Like that's just what's, like you smell the soap and you're aware of, oh, there's smelling. And you're aware of the knowing of the smelling, the awareness. And then he says, there is nobody doing it. There is nobody doing it. Those processes just happen by themselves. And we start to see the magic of reality that's happening right here, even through us. Right? The smelling's happening through us. We're, we're not doing it. Have you ever noticed how you can't stop smelling something that stinks when you want it to stop smelling? We're not in control. The smelling is just happening. And the knowing of it is just happening. We're not doing it. So beautiful what he's pointing to the a certain level of freedom, even freedom from the usual identity or identification with our senses. He says, we, 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 the smelling the soap in the shower, you suddenly and very, very deeply understand there is just this smelling and knowing. There is nobody doing it. These processes just happen by themselves. So those are a few thoughts 
that I've come back with this week from retreat about practice, continuing practice. Any thoughts, responses, liking, not liking, agreement, disagreement? It's always, it's all, I find it fun is the word I use, but I mean capital F fun. It's very alive to hear what you think or feel when I'm talking about something, because we, we all, meaning including me, we all learn more when we interact about stuff. So please, if you have never spoken here, don't be so shy that you don't speak. Come up and say something. Okay, please, here. Okay. Um, and turn, turn it around so you're facing me and we can kind of have a... Okay, so yeah. I'm glad you said that. And, that's and the reason why I'm up here. Great. Please uh, say your uh, name. My name is David. Hi, David. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know, I social anxiety, I get scared. Sure. Um, and that, that's good, good to be aware of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in my heart. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.